You can be seated. If you would, turn with me to the book of Acts, chapter 28. I wrestled a lot this week with, uh, with whether or not to do a special Easter sermon, uh, but then realized that it actually would be very fitting uh, for us to finish our study in the book of Acts on Easter Sunday. Uh, so if you're just joining us, uh, the, the book of Acts, it's the fifth book in the New Testament, and it is the story of the birth and spread of early Christianity. It's written uh, by a man named Luke, uh, and it's actually Luke's part two. Uh, he begins in the Gospel of Luke by giving us a biography of Jesus. He tells us about what Jesus began to do and to teach. He tells us about Jesus' life and death and resurrection. Uh, but what we find is that the story of Jesus does not end on Easter Sunday. Easter is not the end of the story. Really, it's just the beginning. Uh, and so we come into the book of Acts, uh, and we have the story of what Jesus continues to do, how he gives his disciples a mission to take the good news about Jesus, to be his witnesses uh, to the ends of the earth. And he gives them his Holy Spirit so that they can accomplish that very mission. And so in the same way, now as we reach uh, the end of the book of Acts, what we see is that really this isn't the end of the story either. It's really just the beginning. And so as we, uh, as we come to the end of this book today, uh, we have been following now for several chapters uh, the adventures of a man named Paul. Uh, and Paul has arrived in Rome after years of trial and hardship. And what we see is that he's under house arrest, which means he's allowed to live on his own, but uh, he's chained to a soldier 24 hours a day. So let's, uh, let's pick up the story. In Acts chapter 28, I'm going to start reading in verse 17. After three days, he, that is Paul, called together the local leaders of the Jews. And when they gathered, he said to them, Brothers, though I had done nothing against our people or the customs of our fathers, yet I was delivered as a prisoner from Jerusalem into the hands of the Romans. When they had examined me, they wished to set me at liberty, because there was no reason for the death penalty in my case. But because the Jews objected, I was compelled to appeal to Caesar, though I had no charge to bring against my nation. For this reason, therefore... I have asked to see you and speak with you, since it is because of the hope of Israel that I am wearing this chain. And they said to him, We've received no letters from Judea about you, and none of the brothers coming here has reported or spoken any evil about you. But we do desire to hear from you what your views are, for with regard to this sect, he's talking about Christianity, it was viewed as a sect of Judaism, a part of Judaism, uh, regard to this sect, we know that everywhere it is spoken against. When they had appointed a day for him, they came to him at his lodging in greater numbers. From morning till evening, he expounded to them, testifying to the kingdom of God and trying to convince them about Jesus, both from the law of Moses and from the prophets. And some were convinced by what he said, but others disbelieved. 
and disagreeing among themselves, they departed after Paul had made one statement. The Holy Spirit was right in saying to your fathers through Isaiah the prophet, go to this people and say, you will indeed hear, but never understand. And you will indeed see, but never perceive. For this people's heart has grown dull, and with their ears they can barely hear, and their eyes they have closed. Lest they should see with their ears, see, see with their eyes, and hear with their ears, and understand with their heart, and turn, and I would heal them. Therefore, let it be known to you that this salvation of God has been sent to the Gentiles. They will listen. He lived there two whole years at his own expense, and welcomed all who came to him, proclaiming the kingdom of God, and teaching about the Lord Jesus Christ with all boldness and without hindrance. Amen. This is the word of God. Let's ask for his help in reading it and understanding it. Father, we thank you for your word. God, we pray that we would not be like these people who listened to Paul. That we would not be blind, uh, that we would not be deaf, that we would not be hard of heart. Lord, would you open our ears? Would you help us to see Lord, would you use your word, not mine, to come with power to our hearts? Lord, would you change us from the inside out? Open, open our eyes. Wake us up. Uh, we pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. Again, the, the reason that I thought it would be good uh, to look at this passage on an Easter Sunday is because I could think of no better Sunday... Uh, to be reminded once again that Jesus' mission cannot be stopped. Uh, we have covered thousands of miles through this book. We've covered roughly 35 years of history through this book. We've seen the good news about Jesus start with very humble beginnings in Jerusalem and then radiate out across the known world. We've seen communities of Jesus followers called churches uh, planted all over the Roman Empire and beyond. We've seen opposition and persecution from outside the church. We've seen strife and disagreement from inside the church. We've seen leaders like Peter and Stephen and James and Paul arrested, beaten, tried, and even murdered. And even as Paul reaches Rome, right, this is, remember all the way back at the very beginning, uh, even if you want to hold your thumb here on this page and go back to the very first chapter of Acts, uh, right there, uh, Jesus gives his disciples what the mission plan is, right? He says, uh, you will be clothed with power from on high, so you will receive the Holy Spirit, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in Judea and Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. Well, Jesus has kept his promise. Paul has reached the center of the known world. He's reached Rome. I mean, if there's any, if there's any victory, surely it's the fact that uh, the good news about King Jesus is about to be presented to the king of the world, Caesar, in the capital city of Rome, Caesar's city is about to become Jesus' city. And so there's triumph. 
But how has Paul arrived in Rome? He's arrived in chains. So even triumph is wrapped in trial. And when you think about that, that's really, that really shouldn't surprise us one bit. Because that's exactly how Jesus conquers. Uh, think about Jesus' own life. Uh, he did not ride into Jerusalem on a war horse. He rode in on a donkey, uh, not to defeat his enemy with a sword, but to defeat his enemy with his own life. Uh, and that is the course of Christianity. That's the course of the gospel. That's the course of the Christian life, uh, beginning at Jesus, uh, continuing through his early followers, even on into today. Uh, so this morning, as uh, we look at Acts for the last time, uh, I want to uh, I want to look, really focus on two things. And uh, my thanks to my friend Jason Sterling for help with this outline. Uh, first, uh, I want to see that the mission continues, even as the book closes. The mission continues, and then second, I want us to see that the message is still the same. The mission continues, and the message is still the same. Uh, so let's let's talk about what it means that the mission continues. Uh, Luke ends his uh, his second volume here. Luke ends Acts with two words, uh, and so when you think about it, really, if you put these two together, the Gospel of Luke and Acts, which we did. So over the course of we have we have spent the last two and a half years with Luke. Um, and so if you put all of those words together, Luke really writes most of the words in the New Testament. So we've covered most of the New Testament in the past two and a half years. And it's really a, a beautiful thing when we come to the end of this book, the words that finish this book, we are told that Jesus is proclaimed with all boldness and without hindrance. That's the end of the book, which when you think about it really isn't much of an ending. Right. It's not he he doesn't tie it all up in a neat little bow. Uh, He leaves he leaves it open ended. But he says that Jesus is proclaimed with all boldness and without hindrance. And so the mission continues. Right. The messenger may be in chains, but the message is not. Paul is in chains, but Jesus is not. Paul is in chains, but the gospel is. Is not the gospel continues to go out unhindered. Jesus's mission is unstoppable. What does Paul do when he gets to Rome? After this long, long journey, he takes a whopping three-day rest, and then he does the same thing that he had done hundreds of times before. He calls for his kinsmen. He calls for the Jews to come to him, and he tells them why why he's there. Um, and just so just like he'd done in several other cities where he started with the Jews first, he does the same thing here. And they're curious to hear more. They want to they want to hear what Paul's views are. And so they they come back to him in greater numbers. And, and here's what here's what we see in verse 23. When they come back. They come visit. Him. He can't go to them. So they come to him and it says all day long from morning until evening He is explaining and persuading them about Jesus and the kingdom. Paul keeps doing the same thing he's done uh, ever since Jesus arrested him the first time, right? Paul's mission in Rome is the same as it has been everywhere, and it's to tell people about Jesus. 
And then we see it again at the very end of the book in verses 30 and 31. What is he doing? Right? So he's, he's under house arrest for two years. And scholars think the reason that that two-year period was kind of the standard statutory limit. If the, if the attorneys, we'll make it simple, if the attorneys from Jerusalem who are pressing the case against Paul, if they don't show up in two years, then the case is dismissed. But for two years, Paul is in Rome. And what's he doing for two years? He's welcoming everybody who comes to him, and he's telling them about Jesus. This is Paul's unhindered mission. Why is that so important for us? Why is it important that we not lose sight of the fact that the mission of Jesus continues unhindered? One, we need to, we need to remain laser-focused on the mission. Uh, you, see, you see the early church... Um, they faced a lot of opposition. They faced a lot of hurdles. I mean, look at even just here, right? As Paul is uh, proclaiming Jesus to his own kinsmen, uh, they don't understand. Uh, some of them are persuaded, and many of them are not. But Paul doesn't flinch, right? Um, and yet, we flinch. Why do we flinch? Because we've lost sight of the mission. Other things have become more important to us. Paul is not in Rome to change the culture. Paul is not in Rome to become Caesar. Paul is in Rome to proclaim Jesus. Now, if that means that as people believe in Jesus that the culture has changed, that politics change, so be it. But that is not Paul's mission. Paul's mission is to proclaim Jesus and him alone. And so when we, when we don't lose sight of the mission, right, when we remain focused on the mission, it helps us to endure opposition and indifference. We don't, we don't have to expect that people are going to respond well. If they didn't respond well to Paul, they're probably not going to respond well to me, right? We can expect opposition and indifference because, again, the focus is not on, the cha- is not on changing people but on proclaiming Jesus, and allowing Jesus to change people. That's Paul's focus. That's Paul's mission. We also see, and it's a beautiful thing, that the mission, the mission continues regardless of political forces. Right? The Jews have tried to stop the spread of the gospel. It hasn't worked. The Romans have tried to hinder the spread of the gospel. It hasn't worked. Nothing can stop the spread of the gospel. So we don't have to flinch. And we don't have to worry. Jesus wins. That's, that's, what, that's what Luke is saying. When he says that Jesus is proclaimed um, with all boldness and without hindrance, it doesn't mean that, there's la- that, that, that there, there are plenty of hindrances. Again, Paul is chained to a Roman soldier 24 hours a day. He's stuck in his house. So he's hindered, quote-unquote, but Jesus isn't. Jesus just brings people to him. So we don't have to worry We don't have to fret. So the culture turns against us. Jesus Jesus is unhindered. Jesus' mission is unstoppable. So the the cultural values don't reflect Christian values. That's That's not new. In fact, it's very much like the first century. Right? We don't have to be surprised when cultural values are not Christian values. Again, that's not our mission. 
The mission is to proclaim Jesus and allow Jesus to change people. And as people are changed, then society is changed. So the, the mission of Jesus continues against all odds. And the mission of Jesus is to proclaim the message about Jesus. What's that message? What is the unchanging message? What's Paul's message here? Well, Luke describes it twice. He, used two, he uses two descriptions. It's, he says the kingdom of God. He teaches them about the kingdom of God and about Jesus. Now, we've looked at this before, but it's important. Uh, it's a very important uh, phrase in the New Testament. What is the kingdom of God? What is God's kingdom? Well, to put a short point on it, God's kingdom is his rule in the hearts and lives of people. Uh, to put it another way, it is God's people living in God's presence. Right? That, is, that is the kingdom of God. And so with that definition, then when you look at the whole of the Bible, you see that God's kingdom was first realized at creation, right? This is what our first parents enjoyed was God's presence, God's people living in God's presence in God's place. That was God's kingdom at creation. But then what happened? Well, instead of following God's rule, instead of wanting to be ruled by God, our first parents said, no, we'd rather rule ourselves. Thank you very much, but we're going to do, we'll, we'll take matters into our own hands. And that rebellion not only broke the kingdom, but it broke the world. And you and I have that same disease. Could we, could we not narrow down all of our sinful choices? I mean, we, we just read it, right? Uh, what is sin? Sin is any lack of conformity to God's law or transgression of God's law. In other words, sin is rebellion, Sin is looking at the king of the universe and saying, I'd rather be king myself. I'd rather be queen myself. Can you not locate every sinful choice you've made down to that desire? For you to be the ruler of your life instead of God. For you to call the shots instead of God. That's, that's the kingdom fallen. And while it looks that, that, that all hope is lost... What we see is that, that things don't stay there. Things don't stay broken. Because what happens? This man shows up. And he starts telling people that the kingdom of God is at hand. And he says, repent and believe the good news. You know who that man was? Jesus. Turns out that Jesus is the king. And he's come to bring the kingdom. Now here's the question. How does Jesus restore God's kingdom? How does he bring God's kingdom? Well, he does so at the expense of his own life. You see, a man is the one who rebelled against God. So in order to mend the kingdom, a man must obey. And since there are no men on the planet, no women on the planet who will obey or who can obey... God himself must come as a man, and he must obey, and he must give his life as a ransom for many. He must, he must atone. He must pay for the sins of his fallen people. That's how the kingdom comes. Listen to how John Stott puts it. He says, the kingdom of God doesn't come with a sword, but with a message of peace. 
And that's exactly what Jesus does at his first coming. Jesus comes and he offers peace. And the terms of his peace are himself. Uh, you can be reconciled to God. That's how, that's how Paul puts it in 2 Corinthians 5, that we are ambassadors of reconciliation, that God has reconciled us to himself in the person of his son, Jesus. And so God's kingdom is redeemed, and it's redeemed in Jesus. And one day it will be fully restored when Jesus returns. That's the story of the kingdom. And that's how you can be a part of the kingdom, right, at some point. And that's what repentance is. Repentance is saying, I don't want to rule my life anymore. I make a terrible king. I make a terrible queen. God, would you be my king? That's what, that's what repentance is, right? Repentance is turning from self-rule to God's rule. Coming into the kingdom of God through Jesus the Son. And so Paul is uh, here in Rome, and he's telling people about God's kingdom and about Jesus, because Jesus is the one who brings people into the kingdom. And where does Paul get this message from? Well, notice what he says in verse 23. He persuades them about Jesus from the law of Moses and the prophets. What do you know? This isn't new. This isn't, this isn't a brand new message. God's actually been saying it for quite some time. It's in, it's in the Bible, right? Uh, Paul, for, 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 an, for authority, goes to the Old Testament, goes to the Bible that these Jews would have understood. So uh, Paul's message is the same. And you know what? The message hasn't changed since then. Our message is still the same. The good news is still the same, that we are, that we are rebels from God's kingdom and the only way to be restored to, to him is through his son, Jesus. Now, so what? That, that, that may sound like a, a, a kind of a, well, yeah, duh. Uh, so why does that matter? I want you to see um, that, that Luke ends this book with so many unanswered questions. Right? What happens to Paul? Does it, what, ha- what happens after the two years are up? Does he die? Does Paul, does Paul ever get to see Caesar? Does he ever get this audience before Caesar? Uh, where's the church in Rome? What's like, there, there are so many unanswered questions at the end of Luke. But the reason there are unanswered questions is because this story isn't about Paul. This story isn't about Luke. This story isn't ultimately about Peter or James or John or you or me. This story is about Jesus. Jesus and his mission are the center of the story, not me and not my mission. The reason that the, 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 reason the book of Acts is left open-ended is because the story continues. Jesus' story continues. Paul and Luke and Barnabas and Timothy and Silas... And all the others, they've played their parts in this kingdom drama. The question is, have you played yours? What is your role? Have you believed on the Lord Jesus? Have you found forgiveness from your sins in his life and death and resurrection? And if you have, have you stepped into the story? Are you beginning to fulfill the calling that God has placed on your life 
to continue this mission of Jesus. Let's pray. Father in heaven, Lord, we thank you that your mission is unstoppable. That despite our worst efforts and our best efforts and the efforts and forces of, uh, of everyone around the world, uh, that, that your good news continues unhindered. Uh, that you continue to be proclaimed and exalted and lifted up, that men and women and boys and girls continue uh, to be rescued and ransomed and redeemed by your saving grace. Lord, would you do that in our midst this morning? Lord, would you, uh, would you rescue and redeem once again? And then would you help us to find our place in the story of your kingdom? And we pray it in Jesus' name. Amen.